The Last Word with Matt Cooper. The other night Ian Guider mentioned during his business report how the operator of Brown, Thomas and Arnott's which the department stores in Dublin, their largest, warned of a risk to jobs and investment if Dublin City Council doesn't reconsider its new transport plan. The plan, which has been open for debate, aims to take two-thirds of the number of cars off the streets of central Dublin. But the owner of Brown Thomas Learnett says that this may have a negative impact on customers and subsequently affect our ability to continue to invest and grow employment in our city centre stores. We have a number of guests with us. I'm going to start though with Geraldine Herbert, motoring editor of the Sunday Independent. Because what Dublin is trying to do in reduce dramatically the number of cars in the city centre, have other European countries tried and succeeded to do the same? Hello, Geraldine. Ah, Geraldine has just dropped off the line, it seems. Okay. Uh, we'll try and get her back on. We have two of the guests with us. We have Richard Guiney, the Chief Executive of Dublin Town, and with the Green Party Councillor in Dublin, Michael Pigeon. Michael, I'll start with you because are there other examples of cities in Europe where this has worked? Yes, definitely. Uh, we've seen pretty radical changes in Paris. There's a lot of changes happening in London. But to be honest, we also can just look at some of the changes we've seen in Dublin. I think Capel Street was a fairly recent one, but like long-standing successes like Grafton Street or Henry Street have shown that I think areas which are accessible by car but car-free themselves are uh, often the kind of the, the, the most in-demand shopping Sorry, areas. Are you around. saying Cable Street has been a success? Because lots of people would dispute that. I'm sure some would, but I, I, I think you go there, it's, it's a pretty vibrant street uh, any time, day and night now. I, I, personally, I think it's, it's, it's a great success. It's one of the biggest pedestrianisation projects we've done in quite a while. The other one we did at the same time or a similar time was Drury Street, which was, uh, I think has been a real success. It's a, it's a street where you've seen uh, a lot more businesses pop up, a street that sometimes felt like it was an entry to South William Street or a service hatch almost for it, has really grown into a street with its own sort of, sort of energy and, and, and interest. But I, I think it brings something to a city when you allow people to use most of the street rather than just saying that's for cars. Okay, Richard Guiney, those two examples that have been given to us there by Michael, Capel Street and Drury Street, have they worked as car-free zones? Well, I definitely think uh, Drury Street has been uh, quite successful. I think Capel Street is a, is a good example of how things could be done a lot better. Um, at the time, we were asking for uh, better engagement and workshops on some very basic issues like deliveries, uh, waste collections. We've had issues around, you know, just trying to get plumbers onto the, onto the street to uh, unblock toilets, etc. And that's proved quite uh, difficult. So, you know, what we're looking at now is obviously uh, a far greater program um, and I think the, the kind of communications that would make it work and, and be successful um, you know, frankly, are just not there. We've, we've surveyed the public they're not, uh, they're not familiar with the, the proposals. I think there's a lot more communication that needs to be done uh, with the public, but also with businesses in terms of some, you know um, the, the kind of issues I've discussed in deliveries to from premises so for example again on, on uh, Capel Street we've had uh, feedback from some of the restaurants that the, the takeaways would have been a large proportion of their trade that's easily solvable but you know the the effort hasn't been made and I think we're going to be asking people to make a lot of adjustments to uh, achieve um, our carbon reductions um, and I think we need to get it right and, and I think you know the, the, the programs that we're looking at in now are um, 
are the first step in that process and I think if we get it wrong we're going to lose the public and we, as I say we've done we, we, we have done uh, surveys people aren't familiar with the, the, the proposals and I think the other big thing is that what we don't want to, to do is encourage people to basically stay in their cars but just go to different locations and travel longer distances and I think there is a there is a possibility for that to happen I think you know we need to look at quite imaginative things like road pricing that would have uh, be done on a, a region-wide basis rather than just a pure focus on the city centre. But they're the kind of issues that I think a bit more joined-up thinking would, would make things... OK, but Richard, what, what do you make of the arguments by the likes of the the same owner for Arnott's and Bron Thomas, one on each side of the River Liffey, that if they have what they anticipate been a fall in footfall, that they will reduce investment? Is that going to be common across all sorts of businesses? Well, look, there is a concern. Obviously, the, the city does need investment, and you know, obviously, Brown Thomas Arnott's are going to be closer to their own uh, investment decisions than than we would be to their decision making process. I think, you know, again, the the, the research that we've done would suggest a very modest uh, reduction, perhaps, in, in footfall in the, in the city. I think we can overcome that by you know better planning, um, better use of the space that uh, is going to be made available. Uh, I think we need to to look at some of, some of the locations as well to make sure that they don't become prone to antisocial behaviour and activate them in a way that would uh, deter antisocial behaviour. I think what we have at the moment is a plan that's probably 75% of the way there, but that, that vital 25% to bring people with us uh, to workshop, to, to allow the likes of Brown Thomas and other people who have reservations into a room where the, you know those genuine concerns can be aired. And I think probably addressed very constructively um, but that hasn't happened we've been calling for, for, for you know for quite a while we called for, for Cable Street I think it has to happen people need to be brought with us on, on a journey and I think just saying you know well actually you know you have your concerns but we're going to plough on without okay. to them is not the way forward Okay um before I go back to you, Michael, I think we're going to have one more go to try and re-establish contact with Geraldine Herbert, the motoring editor of the Sunday Independent. Can you hear me, Geraldine? I can, Matt. I've been here the whole time, but for some reason you keep disappearing on me. But right. Okay. The question I was asking you, has this been done in other European countries, and if so, in capital cities, with what degree of success? Yeah, I mean, it has been done. I, I mean, car-free cities generally mean fewer cars rather than car-free totally and no cars. And they vary from restricting access to, you know, designated streets to removing parking spaces. But the one thing they have always in common is business stakeholders oppose plans because they believe that if you inconvenience, inconvenience drivers, you'll impact sales. But actually, there's a load of research done on this, particularly pedestrian areas because they've been around for a very long time and they actually do increase footfall. But a very interesting study is and we have lost Geraldine. I actually, again, I actually think I know. I know the study she's talking about. Michael, could you go useful, on? Tell can, me so. Uh, hopefully, she, she can tell me if I'm wrong. But I think it's that that generally business owners tend to overestimate the proportion of customers who come by car rather than other forms of transport. So, um, and 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 the reason. I, th- I think that people do that is because cars are so visible. They simply take up a lot of space and for a good reason. Like sometimes they're, they're needed for certain journeys. But if you look on a given street and there's say 20 pedestrians and five cars, you will predominantly see most of the space taken up by cars and your brain naturally assumes that's how most people get in. And we know in Dublin City, for example, at rush hour, the majority of commuters, the majority alone are moved by the bus. And then uh, if, you go, if you break down all the other forms of transport, at rush hour, it's about one, it's less than one third of all 
commuters coming into the city are by car. So if you look at the figure which you mentioned at the start of this package, which is two-thirds of cars off, off, the, uh, off the keys and out of the core city centre, that number wasn't plucked from nowhere. But yeah, because Anthony Kerry wants to know, what's the end goal of doing that, of removing two-thirds of the cars from Dublin streets? Is it easier movement for the remaining third? In part, yes, and it's also easier movement for a bus. But the reason is a study that was done in the last two years in Dublin City which found that two-thirds of cars in the core city centre aren't coming to the city centre and they aren't going from the city centre. They're just going through it. So the intention of the the plan here is to say the city centre is a destination, it's a place to live, work, shop, etc., but it is not a place where you just skedaddle through to get to somewhere else in the city. That's what the circular roads are for, that's what the M50 is for. So the idea here isn't to say there'll be no cars in Dublin, there'll be, still be plenty of cars in Dublin. The point is, in the core city centre, you shouldn't be using that as a route to say, Okay, but then people who are using their cars, does that not imply then they're going to be in their cars an awful lot longer, which means that they will be creating more emissions and doing more damage? No, because one, you're going to have buses and other options which which will work better. But even take that at face value and assume that's 100% true, I no longer think it's good enough for us to say... Uh, we're going to wreck the keys and we're going to treat the, the, the core city centre kind of like crap just to save people five, ten minutes in a commute. Our core city centre is a place to go to, it's not a place just to go through. And that's the core thing that they're really pushing for here. It's not uh, about pedestrianising streets, that's not outside of Parliament Street and maybe a space around Custom, custom House. Okay. That's not really happening here. What they're talking about is the keys and through traffic is the core Thing we want to stop here. Richard Gowney, one of the main objections or issues raised, it seems, by many retailers is that they feel people won't want to be carrying large bags of shopping onto a train or onto a bus, that they want to put them in the boot of the car to drive them home. But given that so many people now buy their goods for delivery to their house mm. online, is there not the option for the likes of the Brown Thomases or Arnott's or any other retailer in the city centre to say, come in, pick out what you want and we'll deliver it for you as if you had made an internet purchase. And then people can walk away without being laden down by their bags and they can go to the cafes or they can go to the restaurants or they can go to the cinema and they make going shopping in the city centre a much better experience like as if they were going to a suburban shopping centre? Yeah, actually just one of the things I will say, 80% of the customer base in Dublin City Centre use sustainable transport, so just over 70% use public transport and then, you know, about 10% uh, cycle or walk-in. But just in in terms of the point that you've made, we've been advocating that for quite a while. I think we can coordinate, um, you know, deliveries out of the city. And it's not just about Thomas's, I think for the smaller retailers as well, um, where we could share deliveries out of the city, have, you know, we've, we've had a good pilot for deliveries into the city. I think we can have deliveries out of the city and then deliver to people's homes. Um, and I think people would be up for that. And then they can shop, they can socialise as they, they want to do in the city, go to the theatre, do whatever they want. Um, and we can advocate for uh, sustainable transport use. And I think that is something that, you know, it's, again, it's one of those ones that bang our, bang our heads together and we can come up with a good solution in that space. Another interesting one, Michael, comes in from Kieran, who says that the cars are going through the city to avoid the M50, that the routes that you're suggesting as an alternative are already congested and you'll only make them more congested. Some of them are, that's true, that's true. But again, my point is, I don't think it's good enough that we just sacrifice the core city centre to say, let's just use this as an overflow route, overflow route or a through route. Because if you look at the keys in Dublin, they're not, they're not great, like. If, if someone was visiting Dublin, you wouldn't recommend, oh, you should definitely take a walk along the Liffey. You would do that in lots of cities around Europe. 
uh, particularly like Budapest or Prague or parts of Paris, you would do the that. Cars go down by the River Seine, both sides in Paris. Uh, well, not in a lot of sections where they've t- they've taken them out, and there's there's a really nice area where they've actually replaced uh, what was I think a three lane uh, carriageway along along the the Seine there with with kind of playgrounds and a park and so forth. But like I I think with with Dublin, you need to make sure that the quays work as a nice part of the city that people want to visit. I think that's going to draw more people in to places like Brown Thomas and Arnott's, but also all the other businesses. Because the keys in particular are just they're just they're just not good enough for this. Okay. We're gonna have to leave it there. Unfortunately we lost Geraldine Herbert, but we did have Michael Pigeon, Green Party Councillor in Dublin, and Richard Guiney, Chief Executive of Dublin Town. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from four thirty. Today and-